Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. X-Ray. All right, we are back. Uh, we have got a new episode of X-Ray in the Morning's personal finance show with host Lillian Carebake, who's joining us live in studio this morning, which is new and fun. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. It's yeah. a little early to talk about personal finance. Normally we record a little later in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> is it ever a good time to talk about personal it's finance? It's always a good time to talk about money. <laughs> oh, man. I, I have a deep belief that humans always want to talk about money. They just never want to admit they want to talk about it. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like there's 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 uh, a correlation between money and, and, and personal life stuff yeah. uh, that happens. Money is just a way of talking about our values, as I, as I mention on the show all the time. It's That's just, interesting. Okay, I like it. It's just a proxy. Um, so we had two listener questions. So you were going to go through the listener questions, and I was just going to, on the fly, answer them this morning. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, so uh, these questions are, uh, one of them is from Alan. So Alan asks, uh, how much money should I aim to have liquid in my bank accounts my main monthly expenses are mortgage car credit card uh, which i'm working to get to zero but it's going to be a few months should i have three months of savings six uh, i'm about i'm at about two right now but wondering at what point should i pause adding to that meaning his credit cards and or uh, meaning his savings and focusing on getting the credit cards down to a zero balance yeah this is a good question um there's a couple different schools of thought on this the one that I usually recommend is if you've if you've got some sort of high interest debt. So usually credit cards and sometimes depending on your credit, your car payment uh, tend to be high interest debt. So, you know, over six percent or so um, credit cards tend to be even higher in the 15 to 20 percent range. Uh, I usually recommend just focusing on about a month's worth of expenses kind of liquid and available for you. And that's just sort of a tiny little buffer emergency fund so I like to call it your buffer and and usually that means that you've got a month to freak out if anything bad happens um, and if you are focusing on paying down your credit card you know if something really bad happens you could kind of pause that only pay your minimum payment if something bad happens and redirect that money towards whatever the need is so I usually recommend just because you're paying so much interest on that credit card to just get it down to a month spend the rest on paying off that credit card as quickly as possible. The exception, I will say, is if your high interest debt is going to take you longer than a year and a half or two years to pay off. So it's a car or something like that? Yeah, a car is a great example. Um, uh, you know, ideally, you won't have a car that's going to have such a high interest rate right now. Um, but if you've got bad credit, you might you might have a really high interest rate on your car. But if you've got something that's going to take you several years, um, and if you don't know how long it's going to take you to pay off your credit cards, there's two things that you need to do. One, you need to get on a budget, so you need to know kind of the basics of your budget. A lot of people don't know how much really they spend other than their fixed bills. So figure it out. Figure out how much you spend on groceries each month. Get a good idea of how much you can actually put towards the credit card. And then two, 
actually use a calculator, go online and figure out, you know, okay, if I can throw an extra $100 a month at the credit card, how long will it take me? You know, you can play with the numbers. You can see, oh, if I go up to 125 a month, I'll pay it off six months earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also important to note that when you pay off your minimum credit card payment, when you pay over that, then that goes to principal, right? Um, yes, usually it depends. It depends on your credit card. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of different. Unfortunately, there's a lot of different financial products they out there. It's so complicated. Yeah, they make it very. They, they do. They want to make money off of you, right? So yeah. So they want you to make mistakes. They, yeah. They make money off your mistakes. Is yes. Pretty much what exactly. Yeah. Um, because of the policy that uh, Elizabeth Warren pa- uh, passed, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau passed Yay. during the recession. Um, on your credit card statement, I know a lot of us just have it on auto pay, so we don't even like get it in the mail anymore. But if you go online and you download your statement, it will tell you if you only pay the minimum payment, how long it will take you to pay off. And it will show you, oh, if you pay just a little bit more over the minimum payment. So there's already a little calculator box and it has to be in size 12 point font. They regulated even that. (laughs) Um, So there should be something on your credit card bill. Um, I also, there's a calculator that I've used with uh, folks sometimes called Ready for Zero. Um, I like it because it's kind of fun. So it's readyforzero.com. You know, you can also just Google like credit card calculator online and figure it out. So if it's going to take over two years to pay off that high interest debt, um, you might want to have a little bit more than one month. But it sounds like in Alan's case, he says it's going to be just a couple months to pay it off. Just get that emergency fund down to that buffer in your checking account just to one month. Focus on the credit card debt, and then you can focus on building up that three to six month emergency fund. Nice. Great. Uh now I've got another question for you, and this is about student loans. Oh, yeah. but are you buckling in? <laughs> uh, student loans. All right. So Catherine asked, "I lucked out in undergraduate studies and finished with no college debt." That sounds like that Catherine was a scholarship person. She um, good luck. She cheated. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> she doesn't actually have a degree. She just she just monitored all the classes. So she's audited every class. So, but now I'm going to grad school and I'm looking at about $90,000 of tuition debt when I get out unless I can continue to chip down that down over the next 4 years with scholarships, family help, working on the side. So, my question to you is what do I need to know this year and upcoming years about how to properly document and file? What expenses can I deduct? Uh, do you recommend a bank account for just school expenses like a, like you do with a person with their own business? Um, and then uh, are, is she going to be hit with the end of the year with needing to pay taxes on scholarship income? Okay, there's a lot of questions to unpack in here. Um, so I'm just going to give the basic advice I give to folks when they're going considering going back to graduate school later in life. Um, one, actually run an ROI on your graduate degree. Um, you know, yeah. there a lot of people think that they're going to get an automatic boost to their income by getting a PhD or a master's. Sit down, think about it. A lot of the times that ROI, you know, if you get a degree in musicology or something, not to pick on musicology, but if you get a degree in something where the main uh, path is in academia, you have to realize that to make to get that income boost, you are making a choice where you are probably going to have to relocate yourself and possibly your family in order to actually get that income boost at the end. Otherwise, you might be walking out with a lot of student debt and a degree that doesn't apply. So actually sit down and run the ROI. I know that it's very exciting to go back to grad school. And if you want to do it, do it. But if you are not going to get a, if that is not going to directly correlate to having better income at the end of it, you know, student loans are the only debt you can't discharge in bankruptcy. Student loans are forever. 
And one of the reasons why I don't recommend that people take out six figures of student loan debt later in their life if they don't know that they're going to get an income boost is because that's going to hang over your head for a long time. Right. And um, if you've decided you want to go to grad school, there is a lot of ways to pay for grad school that are not student loans. A lot of people don't realize that federal student loans are actually capped fairly low for graduate school. Um, You can only take out like a max of 60K. So a lot of folks run out of uh, accessibility of federal loans if they're a long program like Catherine is considering, um, which is why there is huge variety in funding packages. Actually shop around for grad school. Don't just go based on the rankings. You've got to apply and talk to departments to really know how much um, potential there is for fellowships, graduate teaching fellowships, the kinds of things that will help you pay your way. So my first recommendation is run your ROI and look into what funding sources look like. If you decide that you're going to take out student loans, um, it's all the federal subsidized and unsubsidized loans uh, you should realize are uh, there is all that information is public and you can go online and figure out what your repayment options are going to look like. Um, So actually get a picture of how much you're going to have to pay each month Mm -hmm. in your student loans once you finish. Right. Um, And a lot of people don't realize that most most of what you're going to have for grad school is what's called unsubsidized loans. And that means that the second you take out that loan, that interest is accruing. And that interest, if you don't pay it off while you're in school, it's capitalizing on that loan. So you've got that compound interest, which we talk about how much we love it when it comes to investment, <laughs> it works against you in student loans. Um, so some people I know actually pay that interest while they're in school, which I know it sounds like, oh my God, I'm just trying to get through school. I'm like also, you know, just trying to make make a living here. I can't possibly imagine also paying off the interest, but it can be a really good way to reduce the total because that 90K can kick quickly spin out to 120 or something like that. Um, oh, sure. And uh, very quickly, we've only got a couple seconds here. I want to wrap up with the separate account. Um, Generally, I do recommend saving like a maniac if you're going to go back to grad school. You can either just save in a regular checking or savings account, but you can also use a 529 account, which can give you some tax advantages. So if you're in a high tax bracket right now, you might want to look into a 529 account and you can use those on higher education expenses without necessarily paying taxes on them. It varies by state. And so what's a 529 account? It's a college savings account. It's it's kind of like an IRA or individual retirement account for colleges. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can either get them for your kids, your grandkids, or yourself. Nice. Um, and they vary by state, but just look up the numbers 529. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you can find kind of the different programs. I almost never recommend prepaid tuition programs because they tend to, um, they lock you into one school, uh, which as we know, life changes. You might not want to do that. Right. Um, you may get into your program and realize it's not the right program and you need to go to a different program at a different school and then you're kind of locked in with. Yes, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least, scholarship income is not taxable as long as it is used on direct tuition and book expenses. Um, Once you are using it to pay living expenses, it usually is taxable. However, you don't have to pay Social Security on it, which lowers the total amount of taxes you're paying significantly. Um, So you will still have to file, um, but you... A lot of times it gets wiped out by the amount of tuition you're paying, and so the scholarship income doesn't end up taxed. Got, Got it, got it. Well, so, yeah, hopefully that answered a wide range of questions that yeah. Catherine had. <laughs> no, 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 it did. It did. Uh, and a lot of a, a lot of questions that I didn't even know I had. Now I have more questions. <laughs> That's usually the way Oh My Dollar goes. <laughs> it is. It we is. will answer your question and then give you five more. And then give you five more questions. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff to Google now. Uh, Lily and Care Bake, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. And uh, we'll be right back. X-Ray FM.